Welcome to Let's Talk About Leadership, Service, and Sisterhood, a podcast sponsored by California Rainbow, a nonprofit service organization for girls ages 8 to 20. These young leaders learn the importance of serving others and gain lifelong sisters. Learn more at gocarainbow.org. Welcome back to the Let's Talk About Leadership, Service, and Sisterhood podcast, a California IORG production. I'm Colleen Weaver, your facilitator, and today we're going to talk about how teens can help their communities in emergencies. We're joined today by our very special guests, Victoria Lamar Haas from the California Office of Emergency Services and Dana Regeer from the American Red Cross. Our hosts today are Ashley and Ella, members of our California PR team. Girls, why don't you take it away? All right. So could you both briefly explain your job titles and really what you do for your job? Maybe you can start with Mr. Gear. Sure. So um, I am a regional chief operations officer with the American Red Cross. I cover two regions within the state of California, the California Gold Country and the Central California, Central California region, which covers 37 out of 58 counties within the state of California. My job as the Regional Chief Operations Officer is I am the behind the scenes support for our staff, but mostly for our volunteers. The American Red Cross is 90% of our workforce is volunteers and they are the ones who carry out the mission. Um, so my job is to make sure that they have the resources to be able to support families during disaster response, but as well as serving the armed forces, donating and collecting blood, um, there's just many asked, there's many different um, things that the American Red Cross does. Today, we're going to focus on disaster response, um, but there are actually six lines of service in all within the Red Cross. So my name is Victoria Lamar Haas, and I do work for the California Office of Emergency Services. Um, I've done this job for 26 and a half years um, and had um, the opportunity to work in all facets of emergency management. So I've worked um, with Mrs. Pagir's group quite a bit um, in response. I've also helped um, disaster victims after a disaster in our recovery Right now, I'm working in hazard mitigation, which is kind of like disaster preparedness, um, and going out and working with our local communities and special districts. Look at um, some of the damages that they had during past disasters and assess um, what their risks could be um, from flood, fire, and earthquakes, and then come up with a plan on how they can combat that in the future. Um, so we put these plans um, into action, and that allows some of our jurisdictions to apply for federal grants um, to do things like elevate homes that are in a flood area um, or go in and seismically retrofit um, a building um, that may be in an earthquake prone area. Um, so I manage a staff um, of people statewide, um, and we work very closely with all of our cities and our counties. Um, we do have several projects where we've gone in and mitigated Masonic temples all around the state. So that's always exciting for me. Um, and I do work with a lot of our Masonic family. Um, this seems to be a natural service business for us since we're out serving the community. 
those are both just two amazing vital jobs that don't get talked about super frequently. So thank you for sharing. So next, we're just going to move into how can teens become an active part of disaster relief? Like what ways can they get involved in their communities and such? Mrs. Lamar Haas, did you want to start us off with that? Sure. Um, believe it or not, my first exposure to this business um, was when I was charity of my local assembly in Santa Rosa. Um, and my assembly went to help flood victims after a flood on the Russian River in 1986. Um, so at that time, we baked a lot of cookies mm -hmm. and brought them to a disaster center. And then our job was to babysit um, the children who um, had parents who needed to fill out disaster applications to get assistance. Um, so it was a big assembly. Um, effort. And little did I know years later, I was going to come in um, to this business. Um, so our worthy advisor at the time took the opportunity when we learned about the disaster um, and the flood victims to turn this into a service project. So I think that is the easiest way to get involved um, as a team during disasters is look for those opportunities following a disaster. Um, we also have gone in um, after fires um, and helped teen groups and schools do things like build sifters for fire victims that they can go in and use in um, an area where their home had burned, say, um, and sift for treasures or what was left um, following the fires. Um, a lot of our girls, um, in, in our area, in our local youth groups have also gone in and helped faith-based organizations um, with things like um, putting together comfort kits. And sometimes those happen in advance um, so that we're stockpiling them. And sometimes they're working with groups like Mrs. Bagheer um, at the Red Cross um, and preparing some of those um, items in advance so that when something hits, we can collect those items. Um, and get them to the people that, that need them. Um, there's also several certification programs around. So in addition to everything, and I'm sure Mrs. Regeer is gonna touch on this, the Red Cross stuff, um, we encourage our teens to go through certification programs through, through the Red Cross. That's one of our biggest um, funnels there, but also California volunteers. Um, California volunteers has opportunities to serve in disasters for all ages. Um, it just depends on the task at hand and they can help match you um, with those opportunities um, through our website, volunteer.gov. Um, they also have um, two national days of service that they sponsor with some service opportunities. One of those is on Martin Luther King Jr. Day in January. The other one is 9-11 um, in September. Um, where they can pair teens who get onto their website and register uh, with opportunities to go out and serve. And those are um, a lot of our, our disaster-based opportunities that, that we can um, offer to kids of all ages. We also help to sponsor the AmeriCorps um, California program. So AmeriCorps is a national program, but California has the strongest and largest program in the state. So I personally have had several interns and some former Rainbow Girls, I will tell you that, mm -hmm. uh, that have come in to work on projects with me. And it could be anything from looking at the effects of climate change um, on our disasters to how we incorporate our more vulnerable populations 
um, in our disaster recovery and response to, to just learning the basics of what we do in responding to disasters. That's led to a lot of career opportunities. And also through this program, um, when the older um, teens apply for these AmeriCorps positions, they can earn up to $10,000 for college. Um, so there's some really, really great opportunities just from the base level um, local organization in your community up to the state level to get involved in, in responding to and then recovering from the disaster. Ellen, would you like me to jump in and offer? That would be great. Thank you. So um, to tie into what uh, Mrs. Haas said, I would say one of the greatest things that um, a team can do is get prepared. Um, and so preparedness is absolutely um, local, um, even down to your home. So do you have a fire escape plan for your home? One of the largest disasters that happen in the United States is home fires. And it is the single largest thing that American Red Cross volunteers respond to is home fires um, where somebody's house burns down and they're gone. So home fire safety is huge. Do you have smoke detectors? Are they functioning? Are they located in all the spaces they need to be? Does your family have an evacuation plan that can be executed in under two minutes? And do you have a place to meet outside of your home? So that would apply as well if you had an earthquake um, and you needed to exit your home. So number one is making sure you are prepared at home. Do you have enough supplies on hand if there was an emergency and you could not go to the Target or the grocery store to get things for up to 72 hours? So do you have enough water? Do you have uh, medicine? Do you have things for your pets um, to make sure that they're taken care of? Um, so preparedness at home is the first thing a team should do. The next thing I would tell you is to become CPR and first aid certified as well as lifeguard, becoming a lifeguard. Those are all things that help prevent disasters. So CPR and first aid, you can learn how to stop the bleed. That's another program that we offer. Um, and those are all critical things to support your community when you see an accident. If you know basic first aid, you can help somebody until paramedics arrive. Um, if, you, if you know CPR and somebody happened to have a, um, an event with you around, you could actually help um, by administering CPR until um, medical personnel arrive. So those would be the key things I would tell teens to do because those are all things that you can execute yourself. Um, volunteering is a huge part of um, disaster response, whether it's you're volunteering locally, like Mrs. Haas talked about, um, or you become a trained volunteer. Um, the Red Cross, one of the main things we do within disaster is we support sheltering. We are asked by the government of the United States to cover sheltering. That is what we do. And that means that when somebody is displaced, so for example, the floods that we had from the numerous 13 atmospheric rivers we had this, um, this spring, um, those families went to shelters if they didn't have somewhere to go. And so we make sure they have a safe place they have somewhere to sleep. They have all kinds of support services from mental health services through medical services. 
if we need to replace medications, get their glasses. If you had to leave your home suddenly, you may not have those kind of things. We usually partner with another organization to make sure pets have somewhere to go. So sheltering is critical. Um, and the last thing I would share is that if you're in high school, you could actually start a Red Cross club at your high school. Um, and they focus on a lot of different things, including international humanitarian law, um, as well as learning preparedness um, and supporting the mission of the Red Cross. So I think those are just a few ways that any team can get involved. And I can't stress enough, and I'm sure Mrs. Haas would agree, those emergency plans at home are so, so important. Do you have a box of stuff, you know, that has flashlights, that have radios that don't run on batteries or need to be plugged in? Do you, uh, Noah, I think it's Noah, is it Noah, Mrs. Haas, right, that those radios come from? Correct. Um, just those kind of basic things. Um, water, water is huge. If we were out power, you can't get water. So do you have water supply? So that's what I would focus on. Those were both some great answers with some great ideas in there. Um, I know the next topic got touched on a little bit already, but how are some ways that I could help my family in the event of emergency? Well, I think we kind of talked about it quite a bit. Those plans at home um, and actually mapping out. So what if the fire is by the door that you think you could go out? What other way could you exit your home? Um, if it's flooding, where, how are you going to not, it's not just in your home, it's around your whole community. What are you going to do? Do you have friends or loved ones outside of the area that can be a point of contact for you? So if um, you are in an emergency situation like an earthquake, let's say that impacts a whole region, you could contact your out of state or out of area person and all your family would know to call that person because nine times out of 10, if there's a large disaster, you're not gonna have cell phone service. I know that's really creates anxiety, um, not being able to use your cell phone, but most of the time that's the case. Um, so I would just say, make a plan, build a kit. Those are the things. And then practice, you know, that that's the biggest thing. Practice where you're going to meet. <laughs> and I, I, I will echo Mrs. Regeer as well. Um, that practicing, when we say practice makes perfect, um, just like we do in Rainbow and we practice our floor work, you should be practicing um, how to get out of your house or um, your meeting spot. That is something that I instilled in my girls very young. Um, uh, just to be aware of their surroundings and to also take some time, like Mrs. Regeer said, um, if you're in a seismically vulnerable area and you have felt earthquakes before, you know that it could happen. Or if you were living next to a levee or near a river, um, like we saw in the Central Valley this past January, be aware that, that the water could rise and you could have an emergency. And instead of um, panicking when something happens, if you if you're prepared um, and you you make a kit um, and make sure that you have all the items that Mrs. Regeer had mentioned and make sure you have a flashlight. Um, and then I would also suggest maybe talk to your parents about making sure you have some supplies in your car at all times as well, in case you're not in your home, but you may be um, in your car. You're going to feel more confident. 
um, and less scared during a disaster and, and better prepared to get where you need to be safely. I think it's um, most of the time you see communities come together during an, an incident, especially um, I've seen it during a lot of the wildfires um, during down in Tulare County right now where there's a new lake due to the floods, um, those communities have really come together to support each other. Um, but I think preparedness in your community is important, not just your household, but in your community and learning about it. And I think that's what Mrs. Haas works on. So we'll let her kind of take it away. Okay, and, and before I delve into that community preparedness, um, along those same lines, um, do know that you, as an individual and members of your family are eligible to become one become part of the community emergency response teams, um, which is CERT. Um, again, they work very closely with with Red Cross, uh, but they will teach a lot of the basics on what you should be doing once a disaster um, happens, so that you can be part of that community and that neighborhood. Um, it may may fall upon you, say. Um, if you join one of these teams to make sure that your elderly, elderly neighbors um, are okay, that somebody checks on them, um, that they have evacuated. Um, some of our neighborhoods now have instituted um, certain siren sounds from our law enforcement. Well, they'll, they'll um, give quick blasts of their siren to make sure people are waking up in the middle of the night, say during, during the fires. Um, so, um, there's some other things you can do um, as a teenager to help um, with that disaster preparedness. My biggest piece of advice, again, like I just mentioned, um, the more you're prepared, the calmer you'll be because you'll feel confident in, in what you're doing. So part of my job is to go out and do exactly um, that. And we hold town hall meetings and we talk about what disasters could possibly affect your community. Um, and I mentioned previously, we then talk about strategies on how to either prevent those disasters from happening or talk about what are we going to do if it happens. And we talk about things um, that could be a little bit scary, but you do need to talk about them, um, such as evacuation routes. How do you plan to get out of your community should a, a fire hit your neighborhood um, or a flood? Um, we talk about some um, meeting points more than just getting out of your house on a personal level, but let's say you have to get out of your neighborhood. And that's really where those relationships um, within your neighborhood um, do come into play. So you can look out for each other um, and make sure um, you're taking care of, of neighbor helping neighbor. And if you do things like get involved with the Red Cross programs and learn that basic first aid, you could possibly be called upon at some point um, to maybe help with some basic first, first aid or help a first responder locate that elderly neighbor that may need um, some assistance. So there's a lot of very important roles you can play in your community. I would also encourage you if there is um, a disaster fair in your neighborhood and a lot of community centers do them, go and participate go through the exhibit booths and, and learn what your hazards are. I will let you know, we do have a pretty easy online um, tool that is sponsored um, literally through my mitigation group and it's called My Hazards, um, easily um, found on the website, but it's My Hazards, all one word, 
www.ca.gov. And on there, you can enter your address and find out automatically what disasters could possibly affect your neighborhood. And then it takes it one step further and it will give you some tools and tips on what you can do to better prepare. So whether it's strapping your water heater if you're in a seismic area, or maybe elevating, um, um, like advising you to elevate an air conditioning system if you're in a flood area, those types of things. But they really go in and give you some, some tips and some educational um, pieces for you to think about and be better prepared and more confident should you have to um, evacuate or if you're affected by a wildfire coming into your neighborhood on, on what you can do. I would say too on the Red Cross, redcross.org website, there are all kinds of um, checklists, um, preparedness checklists. There's a wildfire safety checklist, like do you have defensible space around your home? Uh, so that when the firemen get there, they can actually um, you know, keep the flames away. So there's lots of tools um, virtually that you can access um, to be able to print them off and hand them out. When I was mother advisor, we found a large apartment complex within um, Fresno where they had had a, an apartment fire. And we went from apartment to apartment and shared the preparedness checklist so that they, we, some of them, we just hung them on their door. Some we were able to hand to them, but it was a way for us to um, give them a tool to be able to be prepared in case that happened again. Thank you so much, ladies. There's some great resources that can be used. Now, for the next question, I know personally for me, when it comes to time of crisis, for example, fires, um, to evacuate my house or even when I had to evacuate a hotel and panic starts to set in. So what are some ways that you could um, teen, prevent panic in times of crisis? Well, I think it comes down to being prepared. If you, the best, um, the best thing is prevention, obviously, but pre being prepared so you've thought through um, these types of scenarios is um, helpful because it will you you will think about what you've practiced instead of trying to create scenarios that maybe are bigger than what they need to be. Um, I travel a lot. I'm sure Mrs. Haas travels a lot too. I can't tell you how many times a fire alarm has gone off in a hotel, right? And so when you're on the eighth floor, the last thing you want to do is walk down eight flights of steps. But if you know that's what you need to do, then you do it and you don't panic about it. You grab the most important thing, which is the shoes on your feet at that particular moment. And usually my handbag and off we go. It actually happened to Mr. Aguirre and I in Albuquerque when we were on our way to Supreme Assembly. Um, so... <laughs> I see your face, actually. But knowing that there is things like don't get in the elevator when there's a, a fire alarm. You got to take the stairs, right? Just preparedness for me is the best thing. That's not to say that when you are in a disaster that you are going to have anxiety, you will. That you're going to question things. You're going to be concerned. You're going to be worried about your safety. Those are all natural reactions to the situation you're in. Um, and so I know for us at the Red Cross, we provide mental health workers at the shelters to talk to people and help them work through those pressures that they're having. 
Um, so you can always call a hotline. Um, I'm sure the state has different resources available as well. So I'll let Mrs. Haas talk about those. Well, the, the Red Cross actually comes in <laughs> and provides mental health resources for um, disaster workers. Um, believe it or not, your state Office of Emergency Services is responsible for all of that coordination and facilitation of getting the Red Cross out to the shelters, of getting the firefighters out to the fire, um, of getting the sandbags faced, um, you know, placed out there. And we work very long hours, just like um, Red Cross and our, our other nonprofits do during a disaster. So I think my best piece of advice for you is to, to really try to be aware of your surroundings at all times, which, which is a good safety piece of advice at all times. But Mrs. Regeer, um, you know, talked about the hotel evacuation. Um, make sure when you check into hotel, you look at the back of your door. It should be an automatic thing for you. Find out where your emergency exit is. Um, I know I have instilled this in my, my two girls who were also rainbow girls. Um, and they said as much as it kind of um, annoyed them when they were younger, they now know even if they go into a movie theater, they're counting how many seats it is automatically to an exit in case there's a fire or a reason they need to get out of a theater. Um, you know, they, they do look at the back of the door and find out where their emergency exit is. Um, it's, it's kind of part of growing up, I think, to really be aware of your surroundings and it will help keep you safe and it will also help keep you calm because you're going to be focused on what do I need to do to get out of this situation. Um, and make sure you are constantly in communication um, with your parents or with the adults that, that you're with. I think that's very important as well. Um, I will also recommend, and you girls have the ability to do this, Every single city and county has an office of an emergency services. They all have a Red Cross branch. Invite them to your meetings. Have them do a little presentation in the dining room after. I've gone to several Eastern Star chapters um, in the Bay Area and spoken to, to them about what they can do to better prepare for disasters. So just taking, taking those steps of being aware of your surroundings and then seeing what tools that are out there you know, you may have an emergency responder or a firefighter come in and talk to you about, um, you know, the best way to evacuate a building even, or take that trip to a fire station. I've seen several of our, our assemblies take cookies to the firefighters um, and the first responders. They would be more than happy to sit down with you and, and kind of walk through some basic disaster preparedness um, tips on how to keep yourself safe and things to look for when your environment changes. Um, and we are all partners in this, in this um, organization as a state um, and in your community. And that's what we do. And quite frankly, that's one of the things we love to do um, in the field of emergency management is we love to share with that next generation. Everything up here that we've learned and we've seen, we want to impart to you as our next generation to help make sure that you're safe and confident in what you're doing. So looking forward at that next generation that you just spoke on, how would someone in, let's say my generation, fall into a career in disaster preparedness? Or maybe if you wanna talk about how you fell into that career. You can come and be my intern because my intern backed out for the summer. Um, 
I, I fell into this career, quite honestly, like I mentioned, my first exposure to disasters was working for my rainbow assembly. Um, when we had an opportunity to serve our community and go into a shelter, um, just something that basic is getting together and baking cookies or babysitting kids so parents could concentrate on filling out that disaster application. But there's a lot of organizations out there like um, the AmeriCorps program in California through that Cal Volunteers. Um, if you get on that website, it will walk you through every opportunity from a Red Cross volunteer to um, maybe we, we have a group that we work with a lot called Samaritan's Purse um, that goes out and helps um, local um, community members following fires. Um, look for their things once a, a structure is burned down, say. Um, get involved with your church. Um, so many of our churches have such um, a huge role for us in disasters. We could not do what we do in California with disaster after disaster without our faith-based organizations. Um, the Southern Baptist Church provides so many services to us. Um, the Mormon Church um, here in the state of California is always looking for volunteers to come and help make these comfort kits. And they literally fill trucks and they stage them around the state so that we can access them. Um, I would reach out to, you know, even um, Red Cross or your, your local office of emergency services, which is in every city and every, um, every county for, for internship opportunities. Um, right now with California OES, our summer internship program is closed, but about, um, May, about May of every year, we start looking for summer interns and there's no experience required, but we can certainly partner you with those areas in disaster management you're interested in. So um, I bring a lot of kids in and do a lot of work with doing um, uh, analysis of legislation that has to do with disasters. And so I can help teach them how to do legislative analysis and put it in um, a paper. Or if we have an active wildfire at the time, we can take you out, not during the response, but we can take you out to the recovery part of it um, and kind of walk you around so you can get a sense of this is what happens when a fire ravages a community and here's what we're going to need to do to help that community recover and become whole again. I had great success and worked with um, some out-of-state Rainbow Girls up in Butte County um, after the campfires in Paradise. Mm. Um, and that was kind of a fun thing. Those girls actually were part of the AmeriCorps program but came from the East Coast and it just turned out I had myself some Rainbow Girls. So what, a, what an interesting you know, connection there. Um, so, so getting involved and in looking again for, for those opportunities and the older you get, the more opportunities there, there are. Um, but I will tell you the field of emergency management will always take interns. Um, so once you hit a, about 10th grade in high school and then all the way through college, um, there's a lot of opportunities. The field is expanding like crazy. There's some great career opportunities. And I will also tell you, unlike in my days, um, this actually is a, a common college degree program now. Um, so I know um, CSU Long Beach has one of the most robust um, emergency management programs. So does CSU Sonoma. 
Um, a lot of them are expanding um, and combining it with some of the fire science sciences. And I mentioned earlier climate science. Um, I'm always looking for people who are interested in climate change, climate adaptation, and how we can look at things like how heat is affecting um, um, the, the intensity of our fire, say. So if you have any kind of an interest or, or background, <laughs> we can fit it to a career in emergency management. It's very universal. Um, I will tell you my degree and my career path um, was in broadcast journalism. So I went into disaster management 26 and a half years ago um, because I did a story while working for Fox Television um, with the State Office of Emergency Services Director. And I was offered a job while we were doing interviews on a levee that was collapsing in, in Sacramento. And honestly, I didn't know this was a career path. Um, and, and I loved it. I literally quit my job for 90 days and I never looked back um, because there's so many opportunities to go out and help individuals. Um, through our individualist um, assistance program, you could go into agriculture, you can look at, you know, how to better help um, a water district even. Um, so there, there's a lot of opportunities over there uh, in the field of emergency management, but I think that the biggest step is just to ask. Um, and that first step is going and, and researching your offices of emergency services, whether it's on a local or a county level, or you can always find me <laughs> and I'd be happy to, to help mentor you and guide you if there's a, there's a particular way. I'm, I really am at, at the stage of my career, like I, I mentioned earlier, that I really want to prepare this next generation um, since disasters in the state of California has intens have intensified and we need more people um, who are interested in this field and really focused on serving their community. Um, in that field of, of disaster response and, and recovery. So lots of opportunities for you girls to get involved. And then I have a question that's not necessarily on the list. I'm so sorry, there's so much noise around me. Can you, can you hear me fine? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I have a question that's not necessarily on the list, but do you think that being involved in a Masonic organization that's really all about service and giving back to the community maybe like led you to a career like this? Absolutely. Um, and, it, and it's funny, the, the older I, I, I started emergency management at 26 years old. Um, and the older I have, have become, the more I can almost identify who, who was part of our Masonic family. I mean, it's, I, I can tell. I even worked with somebody that was um, part of the National Historic Alliance that did all of the recovery after Hurricane Katrina um, for some of the national artifacts. And I knew right away talking to this gentleman, he was either DMLA or a Mason and I was spot on. He was a former state master counselor um, from the state of Ohio. And I, I, just, I just think we have a service mindset that's, that's not like, other organizations. So I do, when I tell you daily, I am working with former Job's Daughters, um, former Rainbow Girls. There is a huge Eastern Star component in my life um, and a lot of, a lot of um, Master Masons. Um, so I, I think probably that's what drove me toward that service-minded area here. I know when I left Fox Television, I had to call my dad 
who's a Mac, who's a Mason and tell him, you know, I felt like I went into a career that was hurting people, not helping them. And I had to get him some, some advice from him of what he thought of me just leaving this whole entire career I had wanted to do since I was seven years old. And, you know, I'm a past grant editor even, you know, so, so writing and journalism, that was my life. Um, and I totally set that aside to go into this career and I've stayed because I know we're helping others and we're helping others every single day with everything that we're doing. So it's not, it's not what we would say a typical government job. You know, we really are there to help um, people and, and I feel like we're making a difference. So it really is an extension of that Masonic life that I grew up in. I would say too, I think through, you know, um, California Rainbow, Job's Daughter, Steve Malay, Eastern Star, all of the, um, the, our Master Masons, it's also very community-based. And so you learn how to work within your community, your assembly, um, and that becomes part of supporting and serving your community outside of it. So service is definitely a mindset, but um, I think that community that is built that you you know, that sisterhood that we build, um, being able to find that in your career is, is just a plus. Yeah. So fantastic, ladies. Thank you so much. Obviously, preparedness is key. Service mindset, community. Um, any other thoughts before we wrap everything up? Um, I think we should also make sure we share the resources that our members can access. So Absolutely. I can, yeah, um, I would tell you that redcross.org, and if you key in your zip code, um, you'll get connected to the local chapter, um, but you can also access there what classes are available, what training materials you can get. There's so much now that is online that you can access, even taking parts of first aid and CPR you do online, and then you go test at a local chapter. Um, so lifeguards, we are constantly needing lifeguards. One of the big things we did um, last year, I believe it was, we had a shortage of lifeguards at the beach, I believe. And you, you're trained differently if you're a lifeguard at a pool than if you're a lifeguard on the beach. And so the Red Cross helped um, with legislation within the state of California, just as an expert, to help bridge that gap so we could fill the need because we needed more lifeguards out on the beach so that they could be safe. Once again, preparedness. So, um, and I would tell you on all of the sites that we're gonna share with you, you're gonna see there's career opportunities. So whether it's volunteering, um, that is a huge career development, volunteering with an organization that you can learn about. For me, I'm in the nonprofit world. So within um, the Red Cross, everything we do is paid for by donors. So donor management is a whole nother career within um, nonprofit agencies. So, and you learn about how important partnerships are. So the Red Cross must and always will partner with our local OES. That's just critical. That relationship is extremely important. But there are other groups that we, whether it's um, World Kitchen or the Southern Baptist, or um, Salvation Army that are critical, um, local churches, as Mrs. Haas has um, shared, those are critical parts of your community that will support the community in a time of need. So um, just knowing those things, I think would be important, but I will 
just, and we also have social media pages. So you can do um, all social media, Instagram, Facebook. I know none of you are on Facebook, but you can go to Instagram. We have TikTok, all of those things. And if you just search Red Cross, you're going to find them um, and they're going to share information with you. So that's what I would encourage. And and Cal OES Office of Emergency Services does does also have some some great resources on their website, um, but I think I would be remiss as well not to mention FEMA, our Federal Emergency Management Agency. Um, they give us a lot of money to do some great things um, following disasters. They actually off of the FEMA.gov website. If you search under independent study, have a whole independent study course. Um, that you can take that is targeted toward what your interests are. So say you want to learn a little bit more about um, national nonprofits, there will be an independent study course that you can take online for free and get a certificate that will show how many hours you took to go through this. Um, and those certificates are very useful for applying for jobs. There's things in there such as crisis communication, or basic preparedness, or one that is near and dear to my heart is animals in disaster is an entire career. Um, so I, I will share my, my list of resources as, as well um, with everyone, but, but there's some great um, areas out there, I think for girls to explore um, and, and kind of see what interests you and then get some certifications along the way. The things that Mrs. Regeer um, mentioned those those are life skill, um, you know, trainings that you can take to any career. So really encouraging girls to seek those out. And and as Mrs. Regeer said, there's so many free resources now online. Um, it's not like it was 10 years ago where you had to go in person to these classes and travel. Um, it's it's all there online for you, and and the opportunities are waiting for you. Or even three years ago. Yeah. It's yes. Pre pre COVID. <laughs> There's one thing, um, large organizations um, and our local and state and federal government did is we learned we needed to make things accessible online. Um, and for our Gen Zers, that's very important. I have baby boomers who walk in and want paper copies, but you want to access everything on your phone, right? So all of these websites will be able to be accessed on your phone. Wonderful. And at the end of this podcast, we will list all of those websites for you all. So once again, thank you for joining us for the Let's Talk About Leadership, Service, and Sisterhood podcast. We look forward to seeing you next time. For more information, check out volunteer.gov, redcross.org, americorps.gov, myhazard.ca.gov, and caloes.ca.gov.